Welcome back. It's time for another clue for our quiz, seeing as nobody has answered it yet. Mm. The last clue was like a really easy one, wasn't it? Well, maybe, maybe. It was like, who was the <clears throat> mother of... Who was the mother of Solomon? Yeah, that's an yes. easy clue. Come on, you got to be able to get that one. All right, what's our next clue? The next clue is King David had my husband Uriah killed. Okay. Mm, getting a bit easier now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If yeah, you yeah. think you know the answer, 1-800-FAITH-FM is the number to call or you can text us on 0491-064-669 and we will send you the prize, which today on this lovely Monday is a Tell the World DVD. I mean, it'd be nice to watch that in the cold winter months, but we're just having this ongoing summer. Yeah, looking out that window, golden sunshine everywhere as far as the eye can see, not a cloud in the sky. I must admit, this is probably a bad thing to say, but I am enjoying global warming. (laughs) 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 It's giving some nice weather. No, I. Do you know what? Months ago, last year actually, last year there was a sale on, and I got this beautiful lilac, purpley pink cashmere coat. Yeah. I've just been dying for the cold so I can actually wear it just I once. Just once. I don't care about you. I still you. haven't been able to wear it. I've had it for like six months, Lyle. Go to Antarctica. <laughs> grow veggies in, in Antarctica. Oh, thanks. Yeah, go grow veggies in Antarctica and wear my pink coat. That's it. That's it. <laughs> we did talk about growing veggies in Antarctica earlier. For those of you who weren't listening, and if you weren't listening, you need to have an excuse. But anyway, <laughs> what do we have coming up? Today? Oh, we're in Galatians. We're in Galatians. Galatians chapter 4. And okay, so Mon, hmm. did you know that for the majority of your life, mm. you have been a slave? Uh, yes, I did actually know that. Oh, you did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Slave to sin, right? Slave to sin, slave to self. Okay, I'm going to take it further than that. You've actually been a literal slave. A literal yeah, yeah, slave? Not, not, like, not, not, not just a slave to sin and not just a slave to self, but the majority of your life. You have actually been a slave. Like to my iPhone? (laughs) (laughs) We talk about my digital addictions. Uh, Yeah, no, that's not the majority of your life. That's probably only the last 10 years or so. Yeah. mm -hmm. Tell me, how how have I been a literal slave? Uh, I'll let the Bible tell you. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Uh, Galatians chapter Mm 4, first three verses. First three verses. Mm -hmm. Think of it this way. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children, those children are not much better off than slaves until they grow up, even though they actually own everything their father had. They have to obey their guardians until they reach whatever age their father set. Okay, so let's stop there for a moment. Let's stop there for a moment, okay? Mm-hmm. I was reading this verse and I was thinking about it. And like, I get the answer that, you know, the, the I, I get the concept that their father has died and has left his inheritance to his children. But because they're under guardians, you know, they don't get it until they're 18. Yeah. And so um, how are they different from slaves? And I'm thinking, well, in some ways, if you are in your father's will, mm-hmm. then... In many respects, everything that your father owns is yours because it's going to become yours. Mm-hmm. But as a child growing up, if you're in your father's will, everything that he owns is going to become yours. So it's almost like it's kind of like yours. But uh, you're pretty much... What's the difference between a, a, a kid and a slave? Let's, let's think about a slave for a minute. Yeah. A slave is somebody who works mm-hmm. and doesn't get paid for it, right? Yeah. And as a kid, did you work? Yeah. Did you get paid for it by your parents? Nope. <laughs> See, there you go. I told you you were a slave. I think one difference, however, is that eventually the kid does get paid, i.e. the inheritance. The slave never gets paid. Okay. This uh-huh. is true. Mm-hmm. This is true. So eventually we do. And of course, um, if you're a parent, one of the best things that you can do is to get your children to work. 
teach it's them true. the value of labor. Absolutely. It's a, a very important part of good parenting and uh, all children should work. And I guess the other difference is that as a child growing up, you probably weren't working an eight-hour day. Yeah. We should probably clarify we're not talking day. about child, slave, labor, labor or anything. No. Just, you know, chores and yes. gardening and pulling up weeds and doing the dishes and cleaning the loo and that kind of good exactly. good stuff, character building character stuff. Character building stuff, mm-hmm. absolutely. And then and then get your kids out and get them a, uh, a little bit of a job somewhere where they can actually earn some money. Mm-hmm. And money. Uh, it's, not, it's not even a bad idea to get your kids if you've got a project at home, get mm. your kids to quote on it. Yeah, that's a very good idea. I like do, that you, one. You do this job right here and give me a quote. Mm-hmm. And it will teach them the value of money better than anything anything they can because kids will typically underquote uh-huh. on their first job. Uh-huh. And you just simply stick by it. It's like, hey, you quoted $10 for this job and, you know, um, 20 hours later they're <laughs> finishing the job and <laughs> realize they were making like 50 cents an hour. Uh-huh. And the next time around, they're much smarter. And that's how you teach your children the value of labor, the value of work, the value of money. And uh-huh. that's how you become a – that's how you are – you you be, be a good parent because mm-hmm. then as your children grow up, that's a lesson that will stick with them the rest of their life. And they'll be a better worker and a fairer boss in future. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so let's talk about Galatians because mm-hmm. we're getting sidetracked here. Okay. So do you want me to read the last verse of this? Sure. So this is Galatians 4 verse 3. And that's the way it was with us before Christ came. We were like children. We were slaves to the basic spiritual principles of this world. Okay, so how is it that this was how this is? This is what we were like. How is it that we were like this? Well, I think we have to define first what basic spiritual principles of this world are. This is a very, very... I'm glad you raised that point. Basic spiritual principles. Basic spiritual... Okay, so let's... We, this I can actually look... We can look at this from two perspectives and we'll look at it from both. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's start from the top. If a father dies and leaves inheritance for his young children. Okay? Mm-hmm. So let's say that when you were a kid, your parents died, tragic accident, whatever... The inheritance is yours, but you don't get to touch it until you're 18 because your guardians are now looking after you mm-hmm. and you now serve your guardians on occasions. Yeah. Okay. Um, those children are not much better off than slaves. A slave is somebody who serves somebody else, but you're not getting paid for it. You're getting food and room and board and accommodation and security and mm-hmm. these kinds of things. And we need to understand that the concept of the, the, the biblical concept of slavery was nothing like what we consider slavery today. Okay. Um, a, a, a slave under the constitution of Israel was a low-paid contractor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They could choose to become, and they're on a seven-year contract, they could choose to become a permanent contractor for the rest of their life if they so choose. But as a general, uh, as a general principle, they were, they were paid. They were a low-paid contractor. And so some people were like, oh, the Bible supports slavery. No, the Bible supports low-paid contractors. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I support that as well because everybody needs to have a job. And if that's the only opportunity they've got, then take that opportunity and go it, for it. It's not just – you I mean, they get low-paid, but they, they also get like you know, accommodation and food and stuff as well, yeah, right? That's right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like a stipend. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I've uh, been there, done that. Yep. 
Yep. yep. I've been there, done that too. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's uh, it's not the greatest thing, but it's not the worst either. And yeah. you can be perfectly happy doing that. You can that. get by. This was the biblical, under the Constitution of Israel, this was the biblical concept of a slave. And so this was not the kind of thing that you have, say, taking place in the southern states of the uh, of America, you know, that we think of slavery. Or the kind of slavery have in today where you've got child slaves, you've got sex slaves, and these guys, very different kind of slavery. Okay. Uh, where are we up to? We were talking about... Oh, yes. So you don't get it until you're 18. And so um, we have this inheritance, but it doesn't really become real until, as it says here, uh, they have to obey their guardians until they reach whatever age their father set. And that's the way it was with us. Before Christ came, we were like children. We were slaves to the basic spiritual principles of this world. And so we were slaves until Christ came. And is that what's considered the so there's age a whole then? there's a whole inheritance there. Mm-hmm. But we can't tap into any of that inheritance whatsoever at all because we're slaves to the basic spiritual principles of the world until Christ comes and until we know Christ and understand the grace that he gives to us. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Okay, so then what we need to think about is spirituality, the the spiritual principles of this world. So let's think about spirituality without Christ. What does that actually look like? Spirituality without Christ, it just sounds like an oxymoron. (laughs) It does, but it's the spirituality of the vast majority of our world today. Mm, Well, not not the vast majority, but a large portion of our world today. It's saying you want to go swimming without getting wet. Mm. So spirituality without Christ. Well, I mean, I guess, yeah, people claim to be spiritual and worship things outside of Christ. Is that what you mean? Yeah, well, this is, is, okay, let's look at it this way. There are many different religions out there. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, they are all spiritual religions because you know that's the whole foundation of religion is spirituality, mm-hmm. and many of them do not have Christ. Probably the majority of our world does not have Christ. So, would you say it's like a false spirituality that they have? Then, yeah, I'm just looking for the foundation. Here's the foundation of all spirituality out of, outside of Christ. The foundation of all spirituality outside of Christ is self. The foundation of all spirituality outside of Christ itself, yeah. If you take Christ out of the picture, then the spirituality that you have is based around yourself. Well, I mean, what if you're basing it around Buddha? Okay, that's a great example right there. I'm glad you brought that up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and this is what Buddhism teaches. Buddhism teaches that the, that, the, uh, that the solution to life and to peace and to harmony and to happiness and success in life is found within yourself. And you need to tap into that and you need to be true to yourself and you need to tap into that inner power within yourself. Okay. So it's, it's without Christ. It comes it is, back to it, self. It comes back to, back to self. Give me another example. Uh, what if you base your spirituality around, hmm, let me see now, um, what if you're an occultist? Okay, so the occult... Uh, will teach you that um, you know there is obviously a whole spiritual realm out there of spirit beings that affect our world in a you know in a very practical way, mm-hmm. and that you need to do certain things and practice you know certain uh, ceremonies, incantations, so forth, whatever it might be, so that you can tap into that particular power 
so that you can benefit yourself, but it's still based around that inner power within yourself. Okay. Yeah. I see. This is going to be... It's all about self. It's coming back to self. It's all, mm-hmm. Every religion outside of Christ will find the solution within self and being true to yourself. This could be why we have so many problems in the world because we're tr- trying to fix everything ourselves. Exactly. We're all trying to pull ourselves up by the bootstraps. Mm-hmm. Which is just not possible. Yeah. See, this is where Christianity is different because Christianity comes along and says, no, those are the basic rudimentary principles of spirituality. You need to look outside of yourself. and In fact, yourself is the problem. You need to die to self. The, the worst thing that you could ever consider doing is being true to yourself. You need to be true to Jesus Christ. Mm. And it's by dying to self and being true to Jesus Christ that you receive success in your life. And that's where you tap into a power outside of yourself. You reach up, you grasp a higher power. And then that higher power pulls you up and and drags you out of the quagmire of our world right now. And is that what it means when it says basic spiritual principles of this world? This is one of the meanings of it. Oh, okay. Righto. So we were like children, we were slaves to the basic spiritual principles of this world. Yeah. So until Christ came, we were slaves because the only spiritual reality we had was self, and self never gets you very far at all. Mm-hmm. You know, Try living a, a righteous, a holy, a pure life uh, by yourself, and it does not get you far at all. However, there's another way of reading this passage. Okay. And both ways work very, very well. Okay, so the word here for elements, you know, the basic um, elementary principles, um, as it puts in some translation, comes from the word stoichia. <laughs> How's that said again? <laughs> yeah, it's a Greek word. It's a Greek word starting with S. Okay. And it is used in another way in the Bible. So if you go to Colossians chapter 2 and verse 15, mm-hmm. Colossians 2 and verse 15, why don't you read that one for us? Colossians chapter 2 and verse 15 says, In this way he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Okay, so who is he disarming and publicly shaming here? The spiritual rulers and authorities. Okay, who are they? Like the Pharisees and the Sadducees? Uh, It goes deeper than that. Goes way deeper. Oh. Let me read it to you from this translation. Having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. This is actually a reference to the spirit world. Ah. Yeah, wow. the spirit world. So he publicly defeats and shames Satan and his evil angels by dying on the cross. Mm-hmm. All right. And the same word is used here to describe. Um, the principalities, the spiritual principalities of our world. In other words, uh, the demons of our world. So when it says that we're slaves to them mm-hmm. in some degree, does that... I mean, Before Christ that, came, you are slaves to demons. Mm-hmm. Simple as that. Because they, had ac- they have access to us and they can torment us and tempt yeah. us and so forth. Without Christ in your life, the devil will just destroy you. He has no love for his own. He will promise you everything. Every temptation comes with a promise. That's why it's a temptation. He will promise you everything and give you nothing but destruction. So what is the inheritance that that, that the verse speaks of? The inheritance, I'm so glad you asked. Mm -hmm. Romans chapter 8, let's read about this inheritance because this inheritance is just absolutely mind-boggling. It is way beyond what you can ever even begin to imagine. Romans chapter 8, which of course is the expansion of the book of Galatians. Let's read about this inheritance here. 
uh, verse 16 and 17, please. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. Thank you. Hmm. Okay, notice what it says here if um, we are children of God. Mm-hmm. Now, what does a child inherit from its parents, typically? Uh, depends. Money, typically, usually. People yeah. usually think of money. Yeah. All right. Uh, how much of their parents' money do the children typically inherit in the will? Like all of it? Yeah. Yeah. Because the parents don't have any use for it anymore, so they leave mm-hmm. it to the children. Mm-hmm. It's typically how things go. Okay. So the Bible begins by saying we are the children of God, so that tells us a little, about, a little bit about our inheritance, right? Mm-hmm. It goes on and it says, and if children, then what? Heirs. Mine, mine heirs. says heirs. Yep. That's the word yep. that, that, that my translation uses here. So if children, then we are heirs. So now the Bible is very specific and the Bible is saying, yes, just in case you were wondering, yes, you are written into the will. Okay. All right, because now you're an, an heir is an inheritor or a possessor. That's what the word means. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. So if we are heirs, that means that we inherit what our spiritual father owns. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. And we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ, so he inherits what the father has, and we jointly inherit that with him. It blows my mind that, that the Bible says we're on the same level as Jesus when it comes no, to... No, we're not on the same level as Jesus, when but when it comes to inheriting, it is. inheriting something. Yes. Yeah. and Jesus is, and let's make this very, very clear, just in case somebody's wondering <laughs> and wants to, wants to misquote Mon, someone's going to go out there and say, Mon said on radio that we're on the same level as Jesus. <laughs> no, okay, no. Jesus is the self-existent, mm-hmm. eternal God. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Ruler and sovereign ruler and creator of the entire universe. That's who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. Let's make that very, very clear. And if you've got some thoughts on that, then give us a call 1 800 324 843 or 0491 if you'd like to text in a question for the question of the day. It just blows my mind that him being who he is, that we get to share an inheritance with him. It's incredible. Show. 
Listening to Katie Gustafossen and Chris Wenigar. Um, this I know there is a fountain. Back to the book of Galatians. What were we talking about in Galatians? I'm talking about being slaves, inheriting. Um, oh, I remember what we were talking about. We were talking about, in, that's right, inheritance and what it is that we inherit. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's come back to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are, the Bible says, according to Romans chapter 8, that we are heirs of God. That means that we are inheritors of what God has to pass on to us. Mm-hmm, we are written mm-hmm. into God's will. Mm-hmm. And we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. In other words, we jointly inherit what it is that Jesus Christ inherits. And so it's a little bit like, uh, say, for instance, you and your brother, if you were joint inheritors of a particular thing that your parents have, when they die, then you both become owners of it jointly. Mm-hmm, yep, got it. That makes sense. Okay, so this is my next question. What is it that uh, Jesus inherits? Because we are joint heirs with Jesus. What does he inherit? You know, at first I thought maybe it was eternal life, but then he's always had eternal life, so it wouldn't necessarily be that, right? No, nope, it's not that. Uh, I don't know. I feel like he's got everything. Why would he inherit anything? That's the whole point right there. You hit the nail on the head. I did? You did. Oh, wow. We inherit everything? Exactly. Hey! Exactly. All right. Let's stop and think about that for a moment. If we become an heir of God Mm -hmm. and an heir is an inheritor or a possessor, that means that what God has done, he's gone, he sat back and he's gone, you know what? Everything that I have. I'm just going to give it to these humans. Wow. Take the lot. It's a very, very humbling thought. It's an enormously humbling thought. I want you to think about it for a moment because when you actually stop and think about that, the question that goes through my mind is this, why? Yeah. Why? Yeah. Because I kind of understand how, you know, being a parent, I understand how God was prepared to give his life so that he could spend eternity with us. Mm-hmm. I think any parent out there would uh, not even blink to give their life for their children. Mm-hmm. Um, decent parent, you know, ninety nine point nine nine percent of all parents out Absolutely. there would just not, there wouldn't even be a a, a, a a blink or a flash of a thought um, if there was a choice between their life or the life of their child. Mm-hmm. So I can understand from that perspective how 
how God would give his life so that he could spend eternity with us. Mm-hmm. But why does he go this far? Yeah. It's almost as if God's gone, you know what? I love these people just so much. What can I do for them? Okay, I'm going to save them for eternity. All right, yeah, I'm going to build them mansions in heaven. Yeah, I'm going to, you know, give them a, a, a country estate where they can go and, you know, go nuts and build their own property. Um, I'm going to, um, you know, and he starts to think, I'm going, to, I'm going to give them this and I'm going to give them a city. I'm going to give them a great city on earth. And, and I'm going to recreate the earth for them in a way that they've never seen it before. And, um, and, and he just starts running out of things that he can think of to give. He's like, you know what? I'll just give them everything. Because I love them that much I'm so excited to have them as a part of my family And he must really love us that much Because we are so undeserving Oh Hugely undeserving Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean we disappoint him And have disappointed him so many times We've caused him more pain than anything else this, is, this, this passage here is just a massive revelation of the character of God and his attitude towards us. And it just smashes so many of the myths that are out there in relationship to God, that God is somebody who's stern, who's up there and he's trying to kick mm. you out of heaven. And he's like, yep, you slipped up, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to smash you now. And uh, that's great. I managed to keep another one out of heaven today and send them to hellfire. Did you know that during the week uh, the Pope said there's no hellfire? Oh, really? What? Yeah. I did not know that. Okay, so every now and then, uh-huh. Pope Francis does this, uh-huh. um, and this is the fifth time he's done it. And so it's a very, it's a, it's a very, very subtle uh, way of um, communicating with the world. So he has an interview with this famous Italian um, journalist, mm-hmm. and he—I'm I'm getting sidetracked now, but this is a good sidetrack. Mm-hmm. He has this interview with this famous Italian journalist. Now, this journalist is 80 years old, and he's been a journalist his entire life, and his entire life in journalism, he never takes notes. He never takes notes. He, he, he reproduces the entire interview from memory. Wow. Okay, like a photographic memory kind of a thing. That's but, right. But and whenever the Pope wants to say something, uh-huh. but doesn't want to be able, doesn't want to cause a stir, he invites this guy in. They have an interview together. He says his thing. The guy writes it all up as, a, uh, a, as an article. Mm-hmm. And then all the flack comes back because you can imagine the flack amongst Roman Catholicism when when the Pope comes out and says there's no hellfire. hellfire. And the Vatican says, oh, he may have been misquoted. Ah, oh, because <laughs> it was never written down <laughs> and it was never recorded. Oh, that's so sneaky. Ah, oh, and he's done it five times now where he wow. wants to communicate something that is too controversial and too big of a change of doctrine and dogma, mm-hmm. but he wants to subtly get the message out there. That's how he does it. Wow. Teflon Francis, he's a smart operator. He's, you know, that you can't put it over the Jesuits. But I'm so, I'm so astounded that he said there's no hellfire when that's like there. It's like they're almost like they're Well, he's hard. stuck between a rock and a hard place. You think about, you know, here he is on one hand, you know, Pope Francis, God is love. Mm-hmm. Who will burn Dang. you for eternity and eternity and eternity and eternity and never stop burning you throughout the ceaseless ages of eternity just because you say, yeah, I don't want you as my best friend. Okay, yeah. I'm going to burn you. Oh, oh, but God is love. It's true. It doesn't make any sense. It makes zero sense. Especially if you look at the study we just had, you know, God gives you everything yeah. versus God wants to burn you. Yeah. 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 Now, the Bible teaches that God is going to eradicate sin. Mm-hmm. And that's a really good thing. Mm-hmm. And so anybody who chooses to hang on to sin will be destroyed, not tortured. That's the difference. There's a big difference between destruction and torture. 
And there's a reason for that. It's not because God dislikes the person or hates the person. It's just God can't have a universe that has sin in it. It's the only way of getting rid of sin. Mm -hmm. But Francis doesn't read those passages in the Bible where the Bible says that the wicked will be turned into ash, where the Bible says that Satan will be turned into ash, where the Bible says that the wicked will be no more, that they will not exist anymore, that um, that they will suffer destruction, that they will be consumed, uh, that the fire will burn them up, that there won't be a root or a branch left. You know, we can go on and on and on and on and on all morning here about everything the Bible says in relationship to hellfire. Rather than reading those passages, he's come up with a problem that is just too big to deal with. It's like, well, it's impossible to say that God is love and also have eternal hellfire. Um, therefore, hellfire doesn't exist. Just tosses it out. Wow. Yeah. Very controversial move. Very controversial move. It was written in the, uh, you'll find that, uh, investigative article in the Daily Telegraph. And I, but do you know what? I think this is all a very good... Um, Indicated to us that we do need to study our Bibles, that we do need to know the truth about what the Bible says about hell, about hellfire, about the God that we've just read in our own study today, who wants to give us everything. Absolutely. This is a God of just unfathomable love. I mean, it's it, how do you even imagine someone who just like, yeah, you know what? I just give you everything I've got. Mm. You know, it's not like God is dying and going someplace. You know, he's here for eternity. He's like, yeah, it's all yours. Take it and go. If you want to know more about this God, 1-800-FAITH-FM, we can set you up with some Bible studies. It's not just about the manger where the baby lay It's not all about the angels Who sing for him that day It's not all about the shepherds On the bright and shining star It's not all about the wise men Who traveled from afar It's about the cross it's about my sin It's about how Jesus came to be born once So that we could be born again It's about the stone that was rolled away So that you and I could have real life someday It's about the cross about the good things in this life I've done. It's not all about the treasures or the trophies that I've won. It's not about the righteousness that I find within. It's all about His precious blood So that we could be born again 
isn't enough for you, nothing's going to be enough for you. Because it's meant to be real, and real life stories have baggage. We know that Peter's a loose cannon. It's all about context. And he chose different personalities to express that because his personality is infinite. It's a love song written to us. When we're at our lowest points, we've got backup. Like a lot of the rational arguments for the existence of God, they tend to work better after you believe. Hi, this is Luke from oztabletalk.com.au. Please join myself and some of my closest friends as we explore our faith through conversation, Bible study, interviews, and more. You can find us online at oztabletalk.com.au. That's oz as in Australia, A-U-S, tabletalk.com.au. Looking forward to seeing you there. Bye. I'm so glad that's recorded because I want to write that down. Yeah. <laughs> Someone called it a care package there. <laughs> wow. <laughs>
You're listening to Marley Fong, The Lord's Prayer here on Faith FM. We have come to our question time, and our question of the day is... Let me just interject right there. No. <laughs> our question is too big. It's a very big question, but I'm going to give you a very big clue. Who am I? The next clue is, I committed adultery with King David. Yes, or King David committed adultery with her. Which way? Do, I wonder which way around that one actually happened. Well, if you think you know the answer, one eight hundred Faith FM or text us zero four nine one zero six four six six nine, and we will send you the Tell the World DVD. Okay, go ahead with All your right, massive so, question. Uh, how big is the universe? Is that big enough for you? That is a huge question. How could they possibly even know the answer? <laughs> I googled it. <laughs> Google has the answer. Okay. How big so is the universe? So if you were to travel at 300,000 kilometers per second mm-hmm. at speed of light and you could circumnavigate our world seven times in the click of a finger. Wow. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's traveling fast. Mm-hmm. And you wanted to reach the edge of where we can see mm-hmm. with our um, telescopes. And telescopes. Stuff. With, mm-hmm. our, with the Hubble Space Telescope mm-hmm. currently. Um, it would take you, travelling at that speed, it would take you 92 billion years to get there. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. But this doesn't necessarily answer the question of how big is our universe. That no, because the question of they how did at one stage point the Hubble Space Telescope at a point in the sky that from our land-based telescopes was completely empty. There was a spot from on Earth mm-hmm. that was just empty. Mm-hmm. And they pointed the Hubble Space Telescope there that doesn't have to look through the atmosphere and they took a photo and guess what came back in the photo? What? A solid mass of guess what? What? What do you reckon? Oh, I, I said guess, God. guess. A what selfie? would you see if you look out into the space? An alien selfie? No, it wasn't an alien selfie. <laughs> it was a solid mass, not of stars, but of galaxies. Yes, yeah, so heading this, off into the distance as far as could be seen. Th- this is what I'm saying. Like, you, you can't really answer how big is the universe because it's the question really is asking how big is the seeable universe. In which case, the answer is only temporary until we can, I don't know, build a bigger telescope and see some more, and then we have to figure out some more about how how big it is. I don't think we can ever, as humans, really know until Jesus comes exactly how big the universe is. Okay, now compare this for a moment. Okay, the universe mm-hmm. has a central point with lots of galaxies rotating around. We now know that the galaxy is that. The universe is actually rotating around a central point. Mm-hmm. Galaxies have a central point with lots of suns rotating around them. Solar systems have a central point with lots of planets rotating around them. Cells have a nucleus with all kinds of stuff around it. Atoms have neutrons at their centre with other stuff around it. The same person who designed the atoms also designed the universe. Nice. You got the same. You got the same structure going all the way through. Uh huh. Okay, so uh, let me think about this for a moment. Let's see what else we've got here, um, because we consider this. This is in the. This question is in the context of what we were talking about: is inheritors of the universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me see. How many atoms are there in a cell? How many atoms in a cell? I have no idea. A cell which is one thousandth of a millimetre can contain 100 trillion atoms. Whoa. Yeah. 100 trillion atoms per cell. That's right. Wow. And think about your DNA. DNA is the uh, storage mechanism for the information that describes you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it describes every one of the 100 trillion atoms in each of your cells what they should be. Mm-hmm. Okay, if you take the DNA out of one little cell and stretch it out, that DNA would be six feet long. Six feet long. It would have three billion characters in run- one direction. And then you can read it the opposite direction 
and then you can read it throughout itself. Oh, it's incredible. It is. That's the that's the God that we serve. He created all of that. This is Anna Weatherall. Softly and tenderly Jesus is calling Calling for you and for me See on the bottles He's waiting and watching Watching for you and for me Come home Come home Ye who are weary Come home Earnestly, tenderly Jesus is calling Calling all sinners Come home Why should we tarry When Jesus, he's pleading Pleading for you and for me His mercies, mercies for you and for me. Come home, come home, ye who are weary. is calling calling all sinners come home come home come home come home welcome back everybody that was Anna Weather Up with softly and tenderly. And talking about Jesus calling us softly and tenderly, Monica, what is our giveaway for today? Our giveaway is actually a personal favourite of mine. It is a book. It's called... Ste- yes, Monica was just actually sitting here a, a moment ago while we were listening to that song by Anna Weatherup and saying how much she wished she had this one in German mm. because it was written by German and she could give it to a German family. Yep, so this is written by Helmut Haubel. Um, and he was a director of uh, Bad Eibling, which is actually the Adventist nursing home in Germany where my father used to work. Oh, really? Yeah, years and years and years ago. Oh, wow. He's a founder and the editor of The Mission Brief, which is... The this, this is one of those times when I can actually sit here and trust that you have your pronunciations right. Yeah. <laughs> I th- <laughs> Unlike when we're doing Greek and Hebrew, when neither of us have any idea. I don't know how to pronounce that. Yeah, if you read this in like English, it'd be Bad Eibling. But it's Bath Eibling. Um yeah, so the, the writer I mean the writer of this book, he founded and he's the founder and editor of the Mission Newsletter in Germany. 
and uh, he had a significant role in helping build up mission work in Central Asia and India. And um, it's a wonderful story. Um, well, actually, it's a wonderful book. It's called Steps to Personal Revival, Being Filled with the Holy Spirit. And I, I have read excerpts from this, and they are just so beautiful. It's a wonderfully written book. It's very touching. And um, I'd recommend everyone get a copy of this. But if you would like a copy from us today for free, just give us a call 1-800-FAITH-FM or text us 0491-064-669 and we will send this for free to the first person who contacts us. Okay, so there you go. Be the first caller through. And of course, don't forget, if you'd like to know more about the Bible, give us, uh, give us get in contact with us. We can make that happen for you as well. Mm, and we hope we ha- you have a wonderful week and a wonderful rest of your Monday. And we will see you tomorrow morning right after the 7 o'clock news with some positively different radio. Mm. Any 
everyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Can you hear him knock, knock, knocking at the door of your heart? He won't force his way in, yet he stands knock, knock, knocking at the door of your heart. Won't you open it wide?
listening to Faith FM, positively different radio.
listening to Faith FM, positively different radio.